Hold on, I could probably turn my back on. Um, because, I will not. No, no, because we stopped recording and we started talking. And I just brought up, we were talking about what our graphics should be on Instagram. And I said, oh, we should use the photos that Lewis took of Charles and Carlos. And then Nicole started to freak out. And I was like, oh, no, 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 we need to, we need to freak out. <laughs> Lewis was being like everyone's Instagram batty mommy. Like he was like, <laughs> I got, okay, you're going to stand next to like this very colorful archway and not stand. Like he was like having an entire like creative photo shoot and you're going to, and, and the I, photos I, weren't good. No. And I've been this, you know, every girl or friend, you know, take turns, you go through all the spots and like Lewis is that guy. And it's kind of, yeah, like I thought they were going to be like the sickest photos. Lewis doesn't take his own photos. Of course no. you're not going to be good but i do i love that he like saw charles and carlos like leaning on the letters and was like oh, we need the shot and mm -hmm. you're right like i you describing it as like every, being everyone's like instagram mom is like incredible and everyone <laughs> else is in like their team kits and stuff he's in like this pink furry bucket hat and like a dior sweater vest like it is so Lewis's commitment, like obviously Lewis comes in in this like fully curated fit, and then he just replaces the shirt for either a black or white oversized Mercedes T. And sometimes, and then, but he will leave on the accessories. So like the fact that he left on the fuzzy hat, fucking hat, Love incredible. That hat. Yep, incredible. <laughs> Happy Lewis Hamilton week number two. Wee! Wow, feels so good. This is so fun. This is so joyous. <laughs> Brazilian citizen Lewis Hamilton is our home driver this weekend. So let's all collectively take a moment and put out all the positive vibes that he has a great home race weekend. Positive vibes, positive vibes, and we'll keep those positive vibes up the entire episode today. But before we move on to previewing the Brazilian Grand Prix, first we have to talk about all the big stories from the Mexico GP weekend. Which really is that we just need to give space for Nicole to freak out about Daniel Ricardo's banner weekend because, like, who knows what this means for Sergio Perez, but we need to take every opportunity for Nicole to be happy about Daniel Ricardo because last season was so sad, so depressing. Also, the rumor mill was swirling all this week in the F1 space. Uh, disclaimer, you should know this more than any other week. It is currently Tuesday. If there is big news tomorrow on Wednesday, we will of course record an add-on and pop it in here. If it comes out on Thursday, the same day as the episode, obviously we can't talk about it. So just, you know, give us some leniency this week. Uh, but we talk about will Audi actually pull out of F1 before they really join? Why are F1 journalists tweeting such cryptic things? Are we on the verge of something big, some big driver musical chairs, or are they all just messing with us because it's fun to do so? It was announced today that Mike Elliott is out at Mercedes. He's stepping down from the chief technology officer role just months after moving there from the technical director role. We discussed what effect this could have on Mercedes 2024 competitive hopes. As always, our podiums of the race weekend will be scattered throughout the episode, and we will share the results of our race weekend polls. Nicole has a sprint gossip grid from the Mexico GP week, and we discuss the marketing of Lewis's new non-alcoholic tequila. Well, I think technically you would say agave drink, but that's tequila. We get into all of this. And, that if, and if that isn't enough to jam into this episode, we preview and predict Lewis Hamilton week two. Nicole makes a push to catch up in our predictions race and hope to not end up in an ice, in an ice bath in three race weekends. 
Lastly, as always, we end the show with the Yale Sector Notes, one story you should know from every team on the grid. That wraps up the Formation Lab for this crazy jam-packed episode 41 of Gridwalk, a weekly Formula One podcast that believes there are fascinating stories to discuss across the entire F1 grid. Since this is such a packed episode, I do want to call attention to the fact that there's always time codes in the description of the episode, no matter where you're listening or watching. Uh, so use them to navigate throughout the episode to the parts that interest you, or of course just go along for the ride with us through all the crazy news this week. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube. Leave us a comment. Let us know what, what rumors you think are true and which ones are just noise if you're listening on an audio platform please hit the follow button and turn on auto downloads honestly downloading the episode does more for the podcast than any other action you can take so even if you're watching us on youtube hey why don't you go subscribe on an audio platform download it delete it come back just watch on youtube all of these things really help also leave us a review because we want to know what you think about the show all of these things greatly help support Gridwalk. Cold ground on our windup on the grid. It's lights out and away we go on this week's Gridwalk. I love the Mexico GP. I always enjoy watching it. The fans are fun. The teams have a lot of fun. And I also just really enjoy the circuit. And there's always just like some extra special moments. But particularly this weekend, there were plenty of special sparkle moments uh, at the Mexico GP. And there were several moments this weekend that just made me go, oh my gosh. So these are my podium of moments in the Mexico GP that had my jaw on the floor. So an honorary mention, because we always got to sometimes throw in things that we just really want to talk about. It is an honorary mention. Max's arrival to the podium. I love that the Mexico Grand Prix does this, but watching Max Verstappen with a sombrero sitting on the Red Bull lifting up from the ground was the most unbelievably extra thing. And I also just love every year with this race, old videos come back of drivers levitating from the ground and it's so dramatic and I absolutely am obsessed with it. So every time I see it, I just am like, how are other races not? doing this please i am pro car levitation i am anti the sombrero yeah yeah it wasn't really for the sombrero i'm really hyped about the again the levitating of the floor right sombrero felt like really an unnecessary piece of it all given max verstappen's i don't know not you know like it's f1 just traveling around the world doing trying generalizations and stereotypes everywhere they visit yeah so But again, the floor. But podium but the, the, the car. I think the car should always be a part of the celebration. I think that that is definitely something every other race should learn from. But then maybe it would make this one less special. But like, no, car should be a part of it. It's super hype. I can't believe that's not on your podium, though. That that's just a, an honorable mention. Yes, I know. This was a really tough podium altogether. I Like, all of these had me absolutely screaming all weekend. And this one, I even debated moving up higher on my podium. My P3, Lewis's overtake on Charles. I know. I know. I'm shocked it's not higher, but given other circumstances of the weekend that we will be getting into, it just naturally is not for me. But it was that overtake, which I have then watched a thousand times before. You know those moments when you just, like, hear, like, it's hammer time, like, screaming in your ears? Like, it Uh was one of those beautiful moments. I could imagine all of the, like, goose duck memes, like, and, you know, three rounds, Lewis!
Lewis Hamilton. It's those moments that just make you feel on fire as an F1 fan. And like, there's the gap and he took it. So I was getting really hyped and it was just like, he's doing it. He's doing it. And then P2 finished. Felt really good as a Lewis fan this weekend. All right. Now we're getting into where everything gets really saucy. My P2 moments that had my jaw on the floor. Danny Rick qualifying P4. Wow, this bit's really awkward without sounders. <laughs> um, I I don't, the, okay. I think we're going to add it in post. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so not only, you why? You don't just, I can just do it live. You don't want to just do it live? What do you want? We can just turn over. Danny Rick qualifying P4. And Checo qualifying P5. <laughs> So again, how is this not your P1? I'm so confused. Well, because there may be one that's unbelievably obvious now as my P1. I couldn't believe this. I was like barely able to text Brianna while watching qualifying. I just kept saying fever dream. Like none of it was real. I was so worried that I was going to say something and jinx it. And he was going to just like break his other hand. I don't know what was happening. And look, I love Danny Ricardo. This, all of my excitement is nothing against Checo. Like it, it is a really difficult situation and I am just rooting for the success of Danny Rick, which unfortunately some may, who knows, be at the cost of Checo. But I just need to make that clear. I don't dislike Checo. It's been very rough, but wow, it was so unbelievable to see Danny Rick have the weekend that he did after, you know, stuff, but whatever. We'll get into all that later. And my number one jaw dropping moment of the Mexico GP Checo's DNF. I don't remember what the P1 sound is, so I can't do it. Uh, <laughs> I still can't believe that it happened. How soon it happened, how dramatic it happened. It Seeing Checo in that car was absolutely heartbreaking after the fact. It was, you know, really pushing to the limit. You could tell how much this race meant to him in the moment and, like, all the stakes of it, like, just really felt the build up there. Ooh, and the fans, like, there was just adorable Checo fans, like, sobbing in the stands and like I've been that person where it's just absolutely so heartbreaking and so there was so much build up for this and to like that's what this came down to was just like very heartbreaking to watch I so to place everyone listening in my living room for this so the Eagles game is getting wrapped up so I'm watching that and the sound is on the Eagles game but I have the start on like my full multi-viewer setup still and it just so happens that the start coincided with like a commercial break on the Eagles game. So I looked up and I was like, ooh, I get to watch the start. This is so great. This is so exciting. And I'm watching it and I screamed when I saw the Red Bull car go flying. And for like a second, I didn't realize like which car was flying because on the starts, I really watched Lewis Hamilton's on board. And so I got like distracted and pulled away. And everyone in my family was like, are you okay? Are you dying? What is going on? And I was like, a Red Bull car went flying. And they were all like, it's okay, um, Brianna. <laughs> like, great is everyone okay i was like i think so but i don't know the car went flying it was so dramatic i one i'm glad that he's just not hurt and right. safe um but that aside check out this weekend like fully embodied the like stupid f1 cliche that's like you can't win a race in turn one but you can definitely lose a race in turn one and i just have never seen a better example of that being evident in a thing yeah, in the cool down room when Max, Lewis, and 
Charles were rewatching, and Lewis is like, he pulled the me and Qatar. Like, it was like he said it. We love a self aware king. Yeah, I was like, wow, so unbelievably self aware. But, oh, and all, even post race interviews, all of it was just ouch. So, yeah, you're right. That's a pretty obvious P1. Yeah. But you know what? Really, all of these, you could, that one is the P1. The rest you could all just throw around and put there. But that Checo DNF uh, is still just. Well, now that we've talked about Checo DNF sadness, do you want to go scream about Daniel Ricardo for a solid three minutes? Okay, let's go do that. Okay, his lap in Q2, he did get the big toe from Yuki. So a lot of people are like, oh, the pace is just because he got a toe, and it's not, like, real pace. And, like, yeah, it's an AlphaTauri. It's not, like, quote-unquote real pace. Like, Checo should be up there with Max. But his Q3 lap, Yuki wasn't there, so it wasn't a toe. And... He was actually able to do that lap. Q4, P4, whatever. I can't even speak. What letters are we supposed to be talking about? This is not a real weekend. This was, no, I mean, it was. It was so unbelievably real. I felt so alive. This is the most alive I've felt in such a very long time as a Daniel Ricardo fan. I feel revived. I feel like my soul has been, like, saved after, like, being heartbroken at Coda last year. All So many things. This was a fever dream the entire weekend. I don't really know what happened that it 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 just kind of makes me really worried that I'm going to be buying Red Bull merch next year. I can't believe this is a sidebar that I can't believe I didn't put on the outline to talk about this week. I can't believe Red Bull decided to drop Daniel Ricardo Red Bull merch, not AlphaTauri merch, Red Bull merch, ex- specifically the hat. In Mexico GP week, like right before Mexico GP week, everyone was like, oh my God, there's a Daniel Ricardo Red Bull hat on the store. Like this week of all weeks, you would think maybe Coda week, but no, Mexico GP week is when Daniel Ricardo fans who've been asking for Red Bull merch since he was announced as a reserve driver got it. Mexico GP weekend? Oh my gosh. Me. Literally, if we if you've been a longtime Gridwalk listener, aka you've been here since Australia, uh, we had a little bit to see like how much of the Daniel Ricardo content would push me to like purchase merchandise, Red Bull merchandise. Um, and there, because there hasn't been official Red Bull merchandise, and I have always said that if there was a hat with the three, I would buy. And now it's there, and. If it wasn't for 1989 Taylor's version getting released over the weekend and me buying a cardigan, I probably would have had to spend my money elsewhere. So... Oh, everyone listening is going to be so jealous that you got the blue cardigan. Oh, I did, and it already shipped, and everyone... I don't know how that's even possible, so catch me wearing that in an upcoming episode. Um, There's a really funny... Um, actually, I think it's linked as a guide in uh, on our Instagram of all the videos we did about, like... Will Nicole buy Red Bull merch? Um, and it's just a fun series of videos if you want to watch. I think it's like 15 minutes in total with all the videos together. Like, I'd highly recommend it. Um, and in the end, she obviously didn't buy official Red Bull merch because there was none to buy. Yeah. But Mexico GP week is when you should. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. It's so <laughs> shady. It's so Red Bull coded. It's so everything that how they make every single decision and move. Uh, the rest of the season will be unbelievably interesting moving forward. Uh, ooh, now it all just feels like really inevitable. I mean, 
Mexico is where all that went. Like, it just really feels like sign sealed delivered. And we've been joking around. I'm like, is this the end? But like, we've been talking for weeks. I feel like every race we come on here, we're like, did that seal the deal at this point? Like, who will be in that second Red Bull seat? is just a, well, we all know it's not Sergio Perez. Like, if it, if we actually start preseason testing next year and it's Checo, I will be floored because we are all just so, like, everyone on the internet, even Checo fans are like, yeah, it's not going to be Checo. Like, I don't... Checo, it's going to be Dan. I'm putting on every Danny Rick-related hat that is currently in my vicinity right now. Um, this is a look. If you're not, if you're listening on audio and not watching on YouTube, I recommend at least popping over and clicking to the time code to see uh, the look that Nicole is currently sporting. Yeah, no, it, it really feels like I should do a shoey, but I also have already done one of those on the podcast already, so I feel like you can't do two of those within a calendar year on the podcast. Um, I feel like you need to save that for yeah. the announcement, right, not like right, right, we right. think an announcement's coming, but like an right. actual announcement, right. and I stand by, I'm rooting against this heavily. So, right, just right, because right, 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 but think I, how much fun and chaotic this podcast will be. But I can't reconcile with with you being a Red Bull fan. I don't know how I'm going to survive next season. I'm a Danny Rick fan. Who just happened. But you see, look, look, see, we're okay. Look, look, every, all of my Red Bull items will also have some piece of Lewis Hamilton attached so that everyone knows what I'm about. Um... Yeah, this is a really weird, wild time. If you had said any of this to Nicole back in February, she would have just been like, that's a joke. That's Nick DeVries has won a race. I didn't really think that, but like that, I would have believed that before I would have believed what has occurred in Mexico. The Nicole cats crying on the grid in Austin, staring at the Daniel Ricardo McLaren garage would be very confused right now. Cause at this, that point he hadn't even been announced as a Red Bull reserve driver yet. Nope. And you were still holding out hope that he was going to be the Mercedes reserve driver. It was a whole, yeah, totally that was a different that universe. That yeah. That was ago. a different universe. No, you know, the one me that would 1000% believe that this was happening is the me that was watching last year's Mexico GP. And Danny Ricardo just, like, had the race of his, like, year last year. And it was, like, not even an incredible, unbelievable finish, but just that he had enough gap to stay, in, you know, there was... I don't... No, it was very exciting. It was, like, him on the hards at the end of the race, like, weaving through everything. There was penalties, he had Daniel. to create a gap. It's, like, that race is only exciting to me last year and everyone else. Like, it's so boring. I was, like, it was so exciting. <laughs> I was rooting for P8 the whole time. Daniel Ricardo in the Mexico GP. Who knew? Oh, don't tell Checo. All right, my podium this week is my top quotes of the weekend. Yes, Nicole normally brings the top quotes, but I called dibs this week because I was really excited to talk about some of these. I really appreciated this weekend how confident Ferrari was all weekend. So my honorable mention is the Leclerc radio. We believe that in about five laps, hard tires will be faster than the mediums. <laughs> I liked this side of Ferrari. Like I liked Ferrari not wavering on decisions and being confident. So I'm in favor of this, but it's just one of those, this is why it's not fully on the podium, but it's worth talking about. Cause in hindsight, it's a little funny to see they're just, Pure confidence in what's going to happen. All right. P3, post-race, Lewis, fantastic. Now we just need to give you the car that can win. That driving was perfection. This radio, this radio just made me 
so happy. Like, and if you didn't watch the onboard, you probably missed. Lewis crossed the finish line and just was sitting there pumping his fish and was so excited and happy about the performance that day. And he had so much fun. And it was just a reminder that like, I love seeing the emotion of these drivers, good or bad. Like I like when Max gets angry. I like when drivers do something great in a race and are excited to cross the finish line and to show that excitement. And I just, seeing Lewis that excited and then hearing about his driving perfection because that is what it was, deserves a P3. All right. I went back and forth on these on what should be P1 and P2, so you can let me know, both you, Nicole, and anyone listening, if I ordered them wrong. But my P2 was the McLaren radio. We know what Russell is like. He's all or nothing. <laughs> I was now realizing there's such a good chance that all of these sounds are going to make it to the episode. Oh, I'm definitely leaving it in. regretting it. Yeah, I apologize to everyone for these obnoxious noises, but our sounder's just not working this week, so I'm just making, we're DIYing, you know? This Barbie's job is sounders. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, is I told Nicole, hey, I'm just going to add them in and post, our soundboard's not working, but she continues to make the sound as if I'm not going to leave it in, because I'm most definitely going to leave her making these, like, horn sounds in. Um, I just love that George Russell has this reputation now and everyone knows, like even other teams are just like, yeah, that's George Russell. Now I will say that he's more all or nothing with Lewis Hamilton, but the fact that everyone else is just like, be careful. Like there's two drivers on the grid right now who have a wrecking ball reputation. And one is Sergio Perez and the other is George Russell. So at least when Logan Sargent crashes out, he's normally not taking people with him. He's too far behind. There's no one there. <laughs> oh, poor guy. All right. P1, Esteban Ocon. You can say to Haas that I'm going to go for it. So they better be ready. And what made this quote so great isn't necessarily that quote, even though it is great that Ocon's like, let Nico Hulkenberg know that I'm going to do an overtake. Like, it's just so like. I don't, I'll think of a good connection, but that Nico Hulkenberg then responded, you must really like my rear end. What took you so long? Esteban Ocon on his Instagram story, which was just like perfect F1 driver banter. I loved every second of it. If that wasn't your P1, I was going to describe this entire scenario as my P1 quote of the weekend. (laughs) So I would have done this podium just for that quote so i'm so glad you did it because i would have done the same thing i did this podium just for this quote as soon as i saw that on instagram i was like this needs to be discussed all right if you've been listening to this and you're like i just want to hear them talk about all the rumors almost right after this because first we have to talk about the actual news and then i feel like we're talking we're free to talk about the circus chaos of all the rumor mill news And that is that Mike Elliott uh, put in his notice on Monday this week, and it was announced Tuesday this week, that he will be leaving Mercedes uh, as of today. Um, So a reminder to everyone the saga of this, Mike Elliott took over as technical director for this start of this regulation set. So at the start for the 2022 car, essentially, he took over as technical director. Then midway or a third of the way through this season, 
Mike Elliott stepped down as technical director of Mercedes. He he stepped down as technical director, but technically weirdly got a promotion into chief technology officer. And the then chief technology officer, James Allison, who was the previous Mercedes technical director, took the technical directorship back. And it was pitched as this whole like, you know, like, hey, we're all happy. Like Mike would rather do this and James would rather do that. And James is going to be technical director and it's all copacetic and it's all great. And then essentially Mike Elliott is now leaving Mercedes. Everything seems copacetic. Like it doesn't seem like this was all like a, we're going to give him chief technology officer and then fire him. Like this doesn't seem to be coming from Mercedes side per se, but it is an interesting uh, it's been a dramatic year for Mike Elliott in Mercedes. I do think it's worth pointing out that he's been with the team for well over 10 years and through all the successful years. So if you are stomping on Mike Elliott's grave, that is completely unfair. I think there's so many reasons why Mercedes didn't come out of the gates at the start of 2022 in this regulation set super successful and I think putting that all on one person is completely unfair and if we're gonna put it all on one person maybe put it on the person in charge being Toto Wolf but uh Nicole what were your thoughts when you saw this announcement and what are your thoughts on how this affects Mercedes going to 2024 so anytime I see like an announcement about F1 teams administrations like shifting I always just feel like it's a two-parter like I just feel like someone yeah. announces someone is leaving and then it's just like a matter of time until we get like a they're going somewhere else like we've been mm -hmm. you know not that we're in the rumor mill right now but we were talking about like is Mattia you know left Ferrari and like maybe is there something at Alpine or just like all of the back and forth switcheroo that we saw with Mercedes and Williams and the, there's like been a lot of like switching back and forth so I just feel like normally when someone leaves somewhere they're taking their skills and definitely not any of their knowledge of other teams to other places so like I always just feel when it's like a scenario where it doesn't seem like you know, there was a firing or something like that. Just, I feel like we're going to be seeing Mike Elliott somewhere else on the grid. Yeah. It was said in all the press releases that he hasn't decided where he's going, but he just is leaving Mercedes. I agree. It does kind of feel like half an announcement. Um, something that we should earmark to talk about in the off season is gardening leave in F1 and why uh, we are seeing less, like actually, People moving teams is a good thing if you want to see a competitive series. Like we want to see Red Bull doing, if Red Bull's doing really well, we want to see as many people leaving Red Bull and going to other teams as possible and sharing that knowledge um, and the length of, so I'm not going to get on this whole thing today. So earmark everyone, if you want to hear that, hear about gardening leave and how it's hurting parody in F1, let us know. So then we'll definitely make that episode. Um, I think what's interesting about this is I think Mike Elliott gets so much public scrutiny for essentially creating the two worst cars that Mercedes has put into F1 since the Michael Schumacher era, not the Mick, the Michael Schumacher era, that I, and he has been very public about how that has weighed on him and how he didn't think he was right for the technical director role. And maybe he thought moving to this other role, he would be able to take a step back and feel better about things and, I don't, I don't like to uh, pontificate about other people's uh, mental states, so it's not that. But I, 
I think that for now, we could believe Mike Elliott when he says he doesn't know what he wants to do next. And I just, I think he's very smart and a very good engineer, and I hope he lands somewhere interesting that makes him happy. Yeah, for sure. Um, And then at least, like, for Mercedes in 2024, I personally, like, going back to your point of you can't blame every single issue on just one person, so, like, him leaving doesn't drastically affect my view right now of 2024 like too much differently because it's just like not that i don't think he's had like a major impact in some way shape or form but i don't think one person departing is going to drastically affect at least right now especially like you know they've been talking about 2024 for a long time i I still feel kind of the same i feel as nervous and as hopeful and excited for 2024 that i did a week ago i hope it's black again and i hope it's fast yeah, this doesn't tip my scales either. Um, it for next year. If you were, if we were having a conversation about how does this make you feel about the five to ten year prospect prospects of the Mercedes team, I might be like, oh, I mean, like it always hurts to lose smart people. So like long term, like that. But I think sometimes we all collectively in our conversations of things, because even though the championships are over, we're all still mentally very much in the twenty twenty three season, that we forget that. The teams are probably on month four to six, depending on how early they started, of developing the 2024 cars. Mm -hmm. This was handed over to James Allison to Technical Direct a while ago. And so, like, yeah, I don't... If the Mercedes car is really good or really bad next year, or and likely it will be somewhere in between, but just to take the extremes, I don't think Mike Elliott staying or leaving in the team was going to affect, directly affect next year, per se. So I, I agree with you. Um, and I just caution everyone, please be kind on social media. I know that that's hard and a wild thing for me to say, but it doesn't hurt to be kind. He is a human being. No matter how you have felt, or no matter how frustrated we all collectively have been about the Mercedes performance over the last nearly two years now, kind, like, pushing your anger on this one person isn't going to help that. So please, 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 just, you know, I, we've said this before, but if you need a place to dump emotions and feelings, like, Gridwalk's DMs are open, send us a message and vent to us and like we're totally there and if that's going to stop you from sending a mean tweet like please please do that vent to us like we're here we're we're the most emotional sports fans you'll probably find so like we get it this all just because silly season was rather like quiet and not as silly as it could have sillied so now everyone's just like rumor happy and throwing every possible idea around I just think F1 said you want to confine us to a season, therefore we're going to be silly always. <laughs> we are silly season. So if you are not as chronically online as the two of us, we are here to bring you up to date. There is a fantastic Spanish F1 tech journalist, pr- primarily Albert... Pabreja? That would be mine. You know what? That actually sounded really, really good. Yeah. Um, he, since he's Spanish, he primarily, like, if he's going to get a scoop on something, it's normally Fernando, Carlos, or Ferrari. He's pretty connected in the Ferrari organization. Um, he's the guy who does all the F1 tech demos, if you just, like, need a connection. Um, but so he's, like, really ingrained in the paddock. And he tweeted in Spanish on Sunday, 
I don't want to believe the rumor that they just told me now in the paddock, period. No, period. And then, like, he was even in the comments when people are like, someone said, like, at least put some emojis to give us clues. And then he did the emoji with the zipped mouth. Essentially, Albert wanted to start some shit. Then Will Buxton quote tweeted it with just a gif of like a mascotty character running away from an explosion. Then the Monday morning, he tweeted, good morning. I'm just going to, again in Spanish, so this is an auto translation. I'm just going to say one thing about the rumor I told you yesterday, which by the way, you didn't tell us the rumor. You just told us the one existed. It gave us zero information. From the tone of the text, it was understood that I would not like it to happen. From here, you can speculate as much as you slash we want. So he's basically saying, yeah, you're right. I, do, I don't want this rumor to be true. Speculate away. And I hope it remains a rumor, rumor and not news. End of thread. Period. <laughs> this is literally just like dropping something scary and like running away. Like he's dropping a stink Stirring. bomb and be like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Oh my goodness. I, like, I I feel like the second tweet made it, like, almost worse. made it worse. Right. This is essentially felt to me like a five-year-old kid running up to you and being like, I know something you don't know, na 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 and it's bad. <laughs> and the thing that I told you that I know, guess what? It's so bad that I'm so upset about it, and everyone's going to also be upset about it. Right. But I can't and- tell you what it is yet. Right, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to ruin the sources. And so bad. Right. And then, like, Will Buxton butting his nose in. So this basically caused F1 Twitter to just light in flames. And there's now, like, so many people saying, this is what it is. That is what it is. And, like, people are saying, oh, because it's Albert, it's probably this. Or because of things we already know, it's probably that. So I pulled a list things that I read that people seem very confident in. No, the Nico Rosberg is returning rumor is not on this list. And I just want to say whoever started that rumor, like salute to you because that is like peak chronically online humor. And it's like, which is my favorite kind of thing where it's like when you're chronically online, you get that that's a joke, but it like makes people who are not online enough, like really mad. So like shout out to you, whoever you are. I loved that rumor. Um, So not that. Nicole and I are going to rate these on feasibility. Like, do we think this is actually what Albert is teasing? And then, uh, like, so this is not our rating on, like, whether we want this to happen. It's just, like, do we think this is a feasible thing? So, starting with rumor number one I read, and, and this is in no particular order, that the Abu Dhabi race is going to be canceled. And Vegas is going to be the final race of the season. One, this is very feasible. Five, not feasible. Where are you landing on the spectrum for this rumor? I'm falling like right in the middle on this. I think it's a little too soon to make this call, given like the current state of everything going on in the world. Um, If anyone hasn't heard like the rumors about... Abu Dhabi getting canceled would be because of like the unrest in the Middle East and safety and things like that. Um, which also has been a topic of conversation at F1 races like before. So I, I, right now I'm in the place of, I don't think there's an announcement coming right now about this. I wouldn't be surprised later. Um, so I feel pretty neutral. I don't necessarily, it doesn't seem impossible to me right now. 
I put this at a five. I think this is unbelievably not feasible. There's no way this is happening. Abu Dhabi spends so much money to have this race every year. I don't want Vegas to be the last race on the calendar. I really uh, like the Abu Dhabi circuit. Yeah, I don't want to end with whatever the pop and circumstance Maybe. Maybe I'll love it. Maybe it'll be like the Mexico GP and it'll be fun. But I, I don't want this year to end on Vegas. It also, like, I don't think it would end on Vegas because there's a week break between Vegas and Abu Dhabi. So I think we would have, like, a week break and then a random cancellation. And it would, like, we would retroactively know that Vegas is the last race. So if this is going to happen. I hope they announce it before we actually yeah. get the Vegas race so we know it's the final race of the season. Rumor? Audi is pulling out of F1 before it has even really started. And to be fair to Audi, they have spent millions and millions of dollars. They already own 25% of Sauber. They've spent $100 million in engine development this year already for the 2026 season. So they've done things, but we haven't seen them on track. Nicole, from one very feasible to five not feasible at all, where do you put Audi is pulling out of F1? Five, too much money already. I, I, I don't think there's, they have been like the point of direction of this is how this team's going to go. And so much talk about like they're joining in 2026 and the amount of money that has been thrown at this, there's no way they're backing out right now. That would be so unbelievably stupid. It would be stupid, which actually makes me think it's, it's more feasible. Oh. <laughs> uh, so before I give you my number, I will say that this is coming up in light of uh, Audi has a new CEO and Volkswagen has a new CEO, I believe it is, or a new board chair. I'm panicking and forgetting which one. Basically, there's new leadership. Yeah. Yeah. And so the leadership that signed the F1 deal and decided to make this commitment is no longer with Audi and Volkswagen. Therefore, like I could see them making... Like coming in and being like, ah, that's an expensive decision I wouldn't have made. Um, and like maybe deciding like some cost cutting our losses. I'm going to put this at a three because if there's one thing Volkswagen does in F1, it's make bad decisions and not actually join. So if this was announced, I'd be like, well, that sucks and is also not that surprising. But I would also be like, I can't believe they've spent probably close to $300 million at minimum. We designed an entire engine regulation and implemented an engine cop cap cost cap around what Audi wanted for them to just pull out. That would be fitting. That would 100% be super fitting. Rumor. Um, Aston Martin, Lawrence Stroll has sold his stakes in the Aston Martin F1 team. And therefore, there's going to be a switch up in the Aston Martin lineup. I've seen everything from Fernando Alonso leaving slash retiring to Lance Stroll losing his seat to like Checo Perez rejoining what is was the former racing point. Like I have seen every lineup under the sun, but it all stems from Lawrence Stroll is pulling out of the F1 business. I don't think so. I'm um, trying to think of where I would like give like a number on this. I guess a four. The only reason that I'm like not at a five is like because recently they've been unbelievable. They like Aston Martin has fallen off so hard. But I just foresee that team like reeling in the success and the possibility that they had earlier in the start of the year. I don't think Alonso is 
in the place where he he does not seem to be defeated enough to be retiring right now i think there's still like the like ah possible promise so anything in the terms of like the aston martin realm and like the shuffling around of seats and things i i don't think so and and just in terms of like the business of where lawrence stroll would be like selling things if anything i feel like it would be like next year would be like the time to be selling before a regulation set switch up or like getting closer to that maybe like i just don't think right now would be like the time for his most bang for his buck especially where aston martin is yeah this feels like selling would be selling when the stock is at its lowest Mm -hmm. of the season i mean pretty high overall um like they have honda coming in um i i've always felt like lord stroll's investment in the team has been dependent on how much lance wants to race like, it feels like a father-son duo. I also don't normally, like, pay attention to Lamstrol rumors of losing that seat because I just know, like, until he decides he doesn't want to race for that team anymore, he will keep racing for that team. Um, the thing I do buy is that there's unrest in Aston Martin as a whole. But I agree, I don't... I put it around a four as well, like... Would it be completely crazy if we found out that, like, Lawrence Stroll sold off his stake in the team? No. Do I think it's happening right now? Do I think that's what Albert is tweeting about? Completely distraught. No, I don't. I don't think that's what's going on here. So, meh, I I don't know. I do vote that this seems like the fastest Fernando Alonso progression that we've seen. Like, if you haven't heard, Alonso has a a cyclical relationship with every new team he goes to, where he goes and he's having great results and everyone's like, he is a godsend. And then things get a slightly angry and discontent. And then this week he, he had an issue and had to retire the car. But I really think Fernando Alonso just didn't feel like driving around at the back of the race, which is like totally fair to him. Like, whatever you do, you, Fernando. But like, Like, things have gotten testy and angry. So, like, of this, Fernando pulling the plug on the Aston Martin experiment, if he has a better seat, could totally see that happening. But But the rest of it... I don't, I don't think, think he's retired. I don't right. If that's like the switch around of things, I don't think he's going anywhere just yet. And honestly, if there was an unrest at Aston Martin right now, given the season they had, I would be more concerned. I would feel unrest. I do feel unrest. How? Why? What happened? How did how this? Did this happen? How? How did this go down? This has nothing. This can't just be from the single technical directive. Like what? You know, so much. Like someone, let me know. I need a hard knocks for Aston Martin of F one twenty twenty three. I stand by. Though that um, I don't think this is going to happen, but Fernando Alonso to the second Red Bull seat, please. That sounds like drama I can get behind. Oh my god, I can't even think about that right now. (laughs) Well, that will lead me into the next rumor, which is the second Red Bull seat. Here are the list of drivers I have seen attached to the second Red Bull seat. There was a denial. Well, there wasn't a denial. There was news again that Lando again turned down the second Red Bull seat, which I will only I only put in here to say if you have the call on is go do it. But whatever, you know. You, what? Okay. Um, Checo's losing it. Daniel Ricardo's getting it. I've seen rumors this week that Charles is getting it because the amount that Red Bull posted about him this weekend and, and Christian Horner stopped and spoke to Charles Leclerc more than normal. And ah, so... Essentially, I'm going to group all of these rumors under second Red Bull seat and some how it's relating to Checo or Fernando or Carlos is why Albert is sad and stressed about the rumor. 
I know I didn't really give you a lot of concrete information to write there, but just so how are you feeling? Checo Bye Bye is at a one. Um, yeah, Charles <laughs> at Red Bull on a five. I think Charles will have to be dragged out of a Ferrari garage, like kicking, you know, screaming, crying, kicking and up. screaming, crying, throwing up. Carlos has been like this while uh, the the beer sponsor Garcia Estrella like uh, leaving Ferrari. Leaving Ferrari gives has me BBGB still. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to. I would be shocked if either of these boys leave Ferrari in like the next three months, but I don't know. We will see. Um, with my, if I, I mean, I do think if Checo's my one for Checo leaving is Danny Rick getting the seat, but I just cause I don't think I would, I can't see helmet Marco choosing Yuki for the seat, whether yeah. like that's like, you know, he's a, a Honda driver. He's not a Red Bull driver. Yeah. Um, and, I agree. Uh, it's a one for Checo. I feel like Checo's out. Whether he retires, he ends up in another seat. And I think the reason we've gotten, not just because of this tweet fiasco this week, but I think the reason we're getting so many rumors about different drivers filling the second Red Bull seat is because I honestly believe Red Bull doesn't know. I think Red Bull is doing everything they can to try to put different drivers into that seat. And I think they know they can always fall back on Daniel Ricciardo. So there's no, so I think the reason we haven't gotten any announcements or anything is because Checo's out and they don't know. Yep, and that's, that's why, why things they are signed chaotic. three AlphaTauri drivers. Well, the last thing I had here, I kind of touched on, which is, is Carlos leaving Ferrari? And you kind of touched on it. I would be stunned this year. Like if he was leaving Ferrari this year, I would be floored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a right now. Like, I don't, but I, I just don't have the same sentiment that I do about, like, Charles needing to be dragged out by security of the Ferrari garage. I just don't get that same vibe from Mr. Smooth Operator. So I do, f- I could see us seeing him somewhere else before we see Charles somewhere else. But I don't think that's a hot take or a surprise from anybody. For, yeah. like, for anyone. Five. I'd still put it on a five for this year. Yeah. But I will say... All of this has opened up to me that if the only announcement we get in the coming, like in the time between now and before preseason testing, if the only change we get is an announcement that like Logan's retaining his seat, I will be floored. I'm like, I'm at a one for there is chaos yet to happen. There's clearly chaos yet to happen. So we have watched Sir Lewis Hamilton soft launch a non-alcoholic beverage brand. Over the last few weeks and months. And there was a time where we were like, oh, maybe it's music. And nope. Surprise. It is non-alcoholic tequila, which agave beverage. Almave is what has been revealed to us going into the Mexico GP. I, I think there's two things here. One is I have zero idea what this drink will taste like. I ordered it mostly because I don't understand the idea of an agave drink that's not tequila because it's, to me, tequila just tastes like alcohol. So how is it non-alcoholic? I don't understand. So let's start there. What is this thing going to taste like when it arrives at my doorstep besides just being a really cool looking bottle that I'll be excited to have on my bar cart? 
yeah the bottle's beautiful like all of the branding is stunning which like is no surprise but i'm yeah i i think agave beverages and i think this is gonna just burn so i'm intrigued to see you get yours and for your review and then i will decide based on that whether i will buy again i 1989 taylor's version i have only been able to spend swifty money this weekend so it's <laughs> i've not been able to touch my f1 reserve money just yet so i do want to try it i i'm wondering if maybe there'll be like certain f1 races or like maybe there'll be like bars or something they should do a brand activation in vegas lewis hamilton i know you're a big fan of the pod and LH44, all of the members of the team. So the brand activation that you're definitely going to do in Vegas for this. Can't wait to see it, right? I agree that Vegas to me feels like the best and worst place to promote a non-alcoholic drink ever. The non-alcoholic drink space has been this like really growing market. Like I Like people who have been paying attention to this um, not only in F1 do they heavily promote, like, non-alcoholic beers. Now, that comes from a space of regulation. Like, Heineken really just wants you to buy Heineken, but they have to promote the double zero Heineken because they're not allowed to promote drinking in relation to cars going fast because drinking and driving and all the reasons why people shouldn't do that. Um, but even outside of F1, like, I think it was... Uh, Bud Light and Heineken and like all these brands have launched non-alcoholic versions. There's been a trend in people under 35 heavily wanting, they want to be able to go out with their friends and drink, but they don't actually want to consume alcohol. So like non-alcoholic spirits has been a growing market. So this is very a very trendy investment that Lewis has made into this brand. Yeah, I mean, the way that I like to, I see it, we've, see, Lewis has been, expanding his like own personal brand for like a very long time and mm -hmm. at least like observing from the outside he's made it very clear that he's trying to make whatever his brand the lewis hamilton world of branding basically into a lifestyle brand so like he's been doing his merch there's been music in the past like the different endeavors that he like dabbles into so it's not a surprise to me that like he sees this untapped potential of a market, especially in the area of non-alcoholic beverages with the growth that it's seen. And also recently, like while Googling some of this, there's been articles of him in discussion about how he like talks openly, how he like no longer drinks because he'll drink like one or two times a year and just feel like really crappy about it and stuff like that. So my brain's like, Readable. you started working on this two years ago. So you started talking about this in interviews two years ago. So yeah. It's an area within the Lewis Hamilton, LH44, like, lifestyle. So you have your foundation, you have your merchandise, you have everything else that you can... It's another, like, check on the list of, like, ways that he can, like, pursue an area that he's passionate in while still, like, being Lewis Hamilton. So I pulled some hard data, despite saying I, I didn't Google this before, but I was like, let me see if I can get something from like a Forbes or somewhere reputable. So this is according to Forbes that it, last year in 2022, no and low alcohol beverages grew by more than 7% in volume sales across the 10 biggest global markets. So that's normally like European markets and the US markets. It's normally a very Western leaning. They don't list what the global markets are, but just so you... Anyone listening to this knows this, and it surpassed 11 billion in market value 
as a vertical, and that's up from eight billion in 2018. So just we're saying this is like a growing vertical interest. Like a lot more people are buying or choosing to buy no or low alcohol content beverages. I don't understand low alcohol content beverages. Like, look, if you're gonna drink, just drink. Like, but that's, I guess that's maybe me. would that be like? No, that's like low carb. I was thinking like a Michelob or like a Miller Lite. Yeah, I'm thinking it's just like a low proof. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I don't know what their this Forbes well, article in particular has. is. They're not being very specific about it, but it just gives you a good scope of it. You've convinced me though. I do think that this. I can now connect this to Lewis more than I mentally was. Uh, but I do think it's clear that he's passionate about this. And I just like whenever Lewis gets excited or passionate about projects. And like to the fact that there's a lot of like him growing his global brand. Like I will always be supportive of and excited when Lewis does anything that's just not connected to F1. And also we got a great meme out of it. Oh, wait, hold on. I have a cup. <laughs> that's good. Have you tried it? It's, that's good. No, it's just so, yeah, so casual. He, uh, we knew what you were doing, Lewis. Hey, podcast listeners. Gossip Grid here, your guide to F1's paddock elites. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Gossip Grid. A very special edition of Gossip Grid is to celebrate the last sprint race of the year. Thank woo, goodness. Woo, woo. I'm here to give you a sprint version of Gossip Grid. I'm going to just try to do this fast and speedy. I have a short couple of cool things just because I thought it would be fun. And I'm really excited to be done with sprint races, at least for 2023. So starting off this past Friday, if you haven't heard me mention this already in the show, Taylor Swift released 1989 Taylor's version and it has completely flipped my world upside down, which is absolutely no idea, uh, which is absolutely like no brand new information, blah, blah, blah. Everyone and their mother in the F1 world was a Swifty on Friday. And it was, like, really suspicious to see, like, who was really being, like, a, doing a good job and who absolutely wasn't. Last week, I called out Alfa Romeo and Coda for being fake Swifties and posers and for just throwing cowboys of VB and Joe on the cover of 1989, which made absolutely no sense. This week, they were a little bit better. They were prepping for FP1 by listening to 1989 Taylor's version with Wildest Dreams playing in the background. So, fine. You did a little bit better. Alpine wished everyone happy 1989 Taylor's version day team, but you can tell that this was a scheduled post and they're absolutely clueless because they used the stolen version of style. So I'm immediately mad at Alpine. All of the points they got for the Travis Kelsey jersey the week before immediately subtracted and gone. Shout out to Mercedes for putting their drivers on the album cover and at least updating 1989 to the year that like Lewis and George were born, whatever. Minimal effort, but you didn't mess up and... They like, changed something. They were slightly creative. Something, and you didn't use the wrong version of the music, something. which is the point of the entire thing. Someone anyway, was there who knew enough to understand that Taylor Swift was born in 1989, and that's why the album was called that. Thank goodness. Mercedes admins, we see you. <laughs> Moving on, we got some updates about the Keanu Reeves unscripted documentary show filmed with Disney+. Plus. Uh, I, If you are one of the few people that don't know the entire Ross Braun story, I'm not going to tell you anything about what this show is about, and you need to watch it, because if you exist somehow, boy, I can't wait for you to watch this. So the documentary series is called Braun, the Impossible Formula One Story. All four episodes will drop in the UK on Disney Plus and on the, in the US and I guess wherever you have Hulu. Check Hulu or Disney Plus on November 15th. That's where you will find this entire series. 
Um, incredible, one of the best stories I've ever heard in my entire life of sports. CNBC has announced a release date for an Inside the Track, the business of Formula One documentary series will be airing on November 16th. Huh, there's a lot of content that week. I wonder why. Oh, Vegas is that weekend. That is why. <laughs> so CNBC will be talking about the rapid growth in attendance, viewership, market value, examining different like title sponsors like the MoneyGram Haas deal and the introduction of F1 Academy this year. So I'm really excited to see this. Alex Albon is promoting skincare. Once again, there's another CeraVe ad posted today, and it is a spooky Halloween bit. It's so silly. It's so fun. Again, my favorite thing about Alex is that I love that he films, like, these ads that just seem like they're that old-school YouTube skit, like, you filmed it yourself in your bathroom, which is what it looks like he did. So he's promoting skincare. He's also just funny as heck, and more drivers listen to Alex Albon. And my last bit of Gossip Grid for this Sprint Gossip Grid this week, Las Vegas Grand Prix opening ceremonies lineup has been announced. And I need someone to tell me if anyone has, if any of these artists have anything in common whatsoever. Andre Day, Journey, Keith Urban, Sweetest House Mafia, 30 Seconds to Mars, Will I Am, Jay Balvin, who was at the Mexico GP this past weekend and hung out at the Ferrari Garage. But, like, basically, they are trying, they're doing kind of what they try to do with the Super Bowl halftime show and having a little bit of something for everyone. So if you like R&B, if you like country, if you like reggaeton, you can tune in to the <laughs> Las Vegas Sheepy opening ceremonies at 10.30 p.m. Oh, my God, that is so unbelievably late. Um, so they're really trying to appeal a bunch of different people. We'll be intrigued if it sticks. I guess check it out on ESPN2. They're streaming it on YouTube, which is cool. I don't know. That seems like a kind of a hot mess. What are your thoughts? I'm team opening ceremony. I would always be team hoopla, period. Like, just hoopla. But I wanted to answer your question when you were like, if anyone can tell me what all of these have in common, the snarky answer is they all said yes to F1. The less snarky answer is I think a lot of them have uh, residencies in Vegas or at least, like, longstanding relationships in Vegas. Um, not, and then, like, there's, like, the J Balvin who doesn't have a Vegas residency, but he just loves F1, so I think. But, like, that's, I think the biggest connection is this might actually be their attempt to be, like, Vegas. So, give me, I need Journey, Keith Urban, and, like, who's the third one I want to throw in here? Yeah, J Balvin. Let's put all three of them on the same stage at the same time, and let's see what happens. I just want to know who is tasked with doing the transitions between all the different acts, because that's, like, even if they're not on the stage at the same time, like, that is going to be a mission. But I agree with you. Like, to me, it feels like, like, SNL isn't really great because SNL just wants to appeal to everyone. There's no such thing as appealing to everyone. This screams too many cooks in the kitchen. You just needed to pick a target demographic, and they could not. A little bit of everything. But I stand by Hoopla, Chaos, Driver Introductions, give me the chaos. I loved the Miami opening ceremony that they didn't repeat this year, that they only did at year one. It was so much fun. Like, it's Vegas. Like, go all out. I want to see, like, showgirls, the Blue Man Group. Nothing is more Vegas than the Blue Man Group. You know, the only thing that could feel more Vegas right now is if, like, the whole thing was done in front of or inside the sphere with, like, you two. Like, and give me, like, a Britney Spears. Like, these are two big names that wouldn't say yes to F1. But you know my point is, like, go all out. Well, the Blue Man Group and Cirque du Soleil will also be there. Right. So you really are getting everything involved. Vegas. 
Vegas, baby. But uh, that is everything I have for this really sprinted through Gossip Grid. Every week after a race weekend on our Instagram stories, we put up a polls of the race weekend to get all of your thoughts on what happened this weekend. So we're going to go through all the results of the race weekend polls right now. Uh, if you didn't participate this week, it will be the Monday after the race weekend. These go up at Gridwalk Show. Participate, please. We like hearing your thoughts. So, poll number one. Perez's weekend made me, and the options were sad, mad, welcome back to Red Bull, Danny Rick. And it seems like we don't have a lot of Checo fans in our particular audience. So, if you're a Checo fan and you didn't participate, you should go let your voice be heard. Because the winner at 56% was welcome back to Red Bull, Danny Rick. And we will move on, because we know how Nicole feels on that one. Oops. <laughs> My answer was sad. It honestly really made me sad this weekend. I, Seeing the kids I, cry was a lot. I felt sad for Checo, but I was also celebrating Danny Rick. Again, they're yeah. not mutually exclusive, but kind of they are mutually exclusive. No, you can hold two feelings at once. Those are both allowed to coexist. All right, poll number two. Will Lewis Hamilton pass Checo for P2 in the championship by the end of the season? Yes, no were the options, and the winner was yes at 89%. He is 20 points behind. Let's go, Brazil. My God, it would be so close if he wasn't disqualified. Great Ferrari's Mexico GP weekend. I put this up as a poll because I personally was a little confused about how to feel about Ferrari's weekend, and I wanted you all to tell me the answer. So the options were they maximized what they could, they could have been P2, or no thoughts left, only sadness. And the winner was they maximized what they could, 67%. Uh, 22% was the second winning one with no thoughts left, only sadness. Yeah. So Tifo, that, that, that's the like hardcore like Tifosi answer. No feelings left to give. Um, but I, it seems good that we all kind of collectively feel like, you you know what, Ferrari, you were wrong, but like you did what you could. Like, you did you get that tire strategy right? No, but you did what you could. <laughs> all right, we had five rookies participate in FP1 this week. So running through them, uh, Berman did Haas, Duhan was for Alpine, Vesti, Vesti was Merck, Hajar went at Alphatari, and poor Portier at Alfa Romeo didn't even get out for a lap, so he wasn't even a part of my poll. It made the poll of four drivers very easy on me. So which rookie impressed you the most during FP1? I think it was Bierman, but I think I only did that just because he had the highest, like, quickest time. Right. Like, I think I was literally like, you were not the, 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 the worst I also picked him. He also won at 60%. And I picked him because he was the only rookie driver to outperform a typical on-the-grid driver for fastest lap. He, he was above Fernando Alonso. <laughs> now, not that I like put a lot of like stock in FP1 times, but if someone's going to impress me, you taking your Haas and you being faster than Fernando Alonso, I'll give it to you. That's a fun fact. Will you be trying Lewis Hamilton's new drink? The options were yes, already ordered, yes, ordering soon, I'm undecided, and not for me. So this was pretty close across the board. The winner was yes, ordering soon at 38%. If you add that to the 12% that said they already ordered, 50% of our audience 
is saying yes, they want to try it. And then it's split perfectly in half at 25% apiece to I'm undecided and not for me. Yeah, I can get that. Generally positive vibes around the release. And last but not least, which non-Red Bull team will be the fastest in Brazil? The options were Mercedes, McLaren, Ferrari, and other. And for the second week in a row, Ferrari and other got 0% apiece. And the winner was 62% at Mercedes. People are feeling high about the Mercedes after Lewis's P2. But no one thinks it's Ferrari or a different team. Everyone's... So funny. Ferrari or other. No one. It just always makes me laugh because the randomness of some Ferrari fan listening to this right now being like, you know what? I'm going to be hopeful. Like, I'm going to throw one on Ferrari. And no one... Everyone's like, no, it's not Ferrari. Nothing left. Just sad. I just, I don't want to, I don't want another sprint race. I want to watch my qualifying on Saturday. This is, of all the sprint races, like, Brazil has a history of at least having fun sprint races, but I just, it ruins the Grand Prix. Yeah. Yeah, not a fan, not a fan, not a fan. Predictions for Lewis Hamilton week. We pick the sprint and the race, so there's a lot of points on the line. I think I'm up by three points right now. Yeah, you're either up by three or four, I think. uh, I believe it's five to eight. Um, We get one point for every correct prediction made. Um, Since we write these down in advance and this won't change any of your viewpoints, I'm just telling you right now, this is not the order we normally do it, but Lewis Hamilton is my P2. I want to pick him to win the race, but I'm not that delusional. And so he is P2 again in Brazil. Home race. Let's go. Lewis Hamilton is also my P2. I also want to pick him to win. But in my eyes, P2 is winning races right now because that's how that goes. So, yes, I'm glad you started there because I, yeah, that's that's where I'm at with that. I haven't wavered there. Felt really good. Felt great. I was like, we're just starting with this, not talking about anything else first. All right. We want to do sprint picks first. Oh, so we're going to go from P2 in the race. Now we're going to jump yeah. back to our sprint. I think I just wanted to start with that and then we'll like do our normal order. All right. You know, this chaos. Why not? Who even? All right. So in the sprint race, who do you have as the last spot on the podium? Mr. Lando Norris. And I have Mr. Oscar Piastri. Oh, we switched roles from last week. That's so fun. Yeah. Uh, Brazil has the same high altitude that, not as bad as Mexico, but it does have some general high altitude. I think, we didn't talk at all about Lando's, like, comeback that was self-created because of his bad qualifying. Um, But I don't think that's going to happen two weeks in a row. So... I think of all the drivers on the grid right now that I'm predicting to be competitive with Lewis, Lando feels like the driver to to be. And spoiler alert, we don't predict it, but Lewis is also my sprint P2. <laughs> Basically, it goes Max Lewis, everyone else. Everyone else. <laughs> so then you're a P8 in the sprint. Mr. Daniel Ricardo. Oh, <gasps> wow. Mm. It feels weird if you... I don't think you've ever predicted him besides, like, last. I don't even know if you've done that. 
I think we might have done that once. Maybe one. Honestly, you might. I probably you pricked him as last, and I pricked him as tenth, which would probably be what happened. Um, Who's I, your P eight? I have Alex Albon in P eight for the sprint. I just I hope he has another good weekend. I know. Two last things we didn't talk about. I was super excited. <laughs> and then for most points in the sprint, if you are not Red Bull, Mercedes. McLaren. All right. Making it interesting. Mm -hmm. I feel like I prick McLaren every week. I got tired of it. I'm going with Mercedes. I need points, like, so bad. So... (laughs) It's getting a little too real. Some behind the scenes, by the way, Nicole is the one who brought up the idea that the stakes this time should be the ice bath. And I think she's, like, staring it down and is getting a little... Little it's nerdy. 42 degrees outside. What is the current? That was when I literally got into the car today after work. What is the temperature outside? 45 degrees. Real feel is 41. That's yeah, we'll, illegal. Yeah, we'll have to talk about the logistics of paying this off and like when we want to pay it off. I think there's a couple of options. There's obviously like the episode right after Abu Dhabi, but then this also could be like the big like return. Tw- yeah, the big return. So if you have a preference on either one of us, whoever ends up in an ice bath, would you like it to be directly after the season? Or it, would this be a fun celebration before our first predictions of 2024? Uh, if you have a preference, please let us know. Sway us either way. Um, but moving on, back to the race. So we both have Lewis at P2. Who's your P3? Lando Norris. Yeah, me too. So- yeah, I flipped. I I don't know. I always feel like Oscar has like some special juju on like sprint days, which is why I was like, all right, I can do like a this him as my P three. But yeah, no, at least in terms of race and race pace, Lando's my P three. Yeah, Oscar has shown such like possibility this year, and he's definitely had a fantastic rookie season. Where he seems to continue to fall short is in overall tire management and race pace. Like if the if the race if you need to manage your tires in the race, you're going to see the gap between Lando and Oscar grow. Mm-hmm. Um, now that makes complete sense. That's the hardest part of being an F1 driver from people who drive these cars. Like being able to manage a Pirelli tire. Like we saw the gap between Lewis and George this past weekend be huge, and it's because Lewis could actually manage the tires in a way that George couldn't. Um, so I say this all to say that, like, I think what you're saying makes complete sense. Like, it, shorter stints, tire, where tire drop-off isn't an issue. Like, I think Oscar's going to be very competitive with Lando going forward. Yeah, we shall see. Who's your P10? My P10, again, I'm not, this is just, like, now funny in the order that we've done this. My P10 is Danny Rick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, mine's not. Don't worry. Wait, so we, mine is Esty Bestie. Oh, yay! I was just, you know, I, my brain just feels like it's been in the place where we're so nervous to, like, pick an Alpine, but, like, I want Who knows to. what's going on with Alpine? Who knows what's going on with Aston Martin? Essentially, I feel, like, pretty confident that, like, Mercedes and McLaren don't seem to be completely dropping the ball right now. Red Bull is a million light years ahead. Ferrari sometimes is up there. Everyone else, who the hell knows? It's like, what is going on? Yeah, um, that's going to be just really fun to see if, you know, Alpine's able to do anything in the remainder of the season because it's been, like, such an up and down. But, like, this past weekend seemed relatively fine. Like, it just wasn't on fire. So, I would love for Estebesti to get some 
get some good points this weekend. I would also love for Daniel Ricardo to get some good points this season. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. All right. So here's the negative side of it. Who do you think is going to be the last to cross the checkered flag? Reminder, if they DNF, it does not count. They have to take the checkered flag. Who'd you got? I have Valtteri Bottas. Ooh, rough. Alfa Romeo, you think? Last week was Joe Guan Yu. So you think? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm getting bad vibes. There's also like a potential of like a wet quali on friday so like i just don't i there's a few teams with the back and forth of like one set like one time setup are you gonna mess it up so I'm, my brain's going one time setup it may rain kevin magnuson had some like crazy juju i'm saying a lot of words so before i finish that what who do you have last to finish kevin magnuson because, <laughs> but my thought process was the exact same as yours, which is like, all right, I think if someone's going to get it wrong, it's going to be an Alfa Romeo or a Haas. And I don't know. I just, there's some teams where a driver crashes or some drivers where that driver crashes, crashes and I feel really good. Like, oh, you're going to have a comeback, like solid race. Maybe you won't get points, but you won't like crash like that again. I just, I could see Kevin not feeling confident in the car where the suspension just failed him a week earlier and it just like not turn out great but i don't think he's gonna dnf again so well it just would be now that i have decided against it because this is last year where he got pole so now suddenly mm -hmm. he goes from like pole to dnf so also, yeah. you know that also sounds pretty hoss but we have the same kind of thought process i don't you know this is again the hardest thing that we predict is this, who is yeah last and the the last thing to wrap up our predictions for brazil most points in the race and you're not red bull what team do you have mercedes and i still have mclaren yep we both did that same strategy where it's like one of them feels like it's gonna be one of them someone's in for a really positive weekend this weekend hopefully it's me and my predictions hopefully and it's sir me. lewis hamilton well i also would love for it to be sir lewis hamilton and I don't want to root against Mercedes, but like, okay. Danny, Rick, P10. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome back to Yellow Sector Notes. Not the fastest walk around F1, but we will complete a full lap around the paddock hitting every F1 garage. All right, to be honest with you all, the rumors that are swirling around F1 right now have made my ability to actually find news that I think you should all know about every team on the grid nearly impossible. So we're not gonna hit every garage this week. It's the third race of a busy triple header. I just hope you all forgive me for what's going to be a very rapid fire yellow sector notes of some interesting notes, but definitely not every garage. No full lap this week. The Vegas GP is still not sold out. The Spanish broadcaster Dazen extends their broadcast partnership with F1 through 2026. Lewis Hamilton set the record for podiums in Formula One with 197 this past weekend, breaking Lewis Hamilton's record of 196. Nico Hulkenberg celebrated his 200th Grand Prix start at the Mexico GP this past weekend. And Mercedes announced that they reduced emissions year over year by 67% with their use of biofuel during the European leg of the F1 season. As, by the way, a reminder that all the F1 teams are ramping up to being completely carbon neutral. Um, in the next coming seasons. And that is your very, very quick and short grid walk for November 20, or not, no, for November 2nd, 2023. I read, I read too many things at once. Let me start again. That is the grid walk for November 2nd, 2023 completed. How is my sector time today, Nicole? I 
definitely so much faster than we will find out what Will and Albert were like actually tweeting about. I don't think we'll ever know. I think they were toying with us. I don't think we'll ever really know. There's nothing. They're just snickering like, hee, there's nothing. <laughs> Thank you to VoiceOver Man, Alex Albon's content team, and to our four-legged executive producers. If you are watching on YouTube, subscribe, like the video, leave us a comment. What are your thoughts on all of the rumors going on? Which ones do you think are true? Which ones do you think are like definitely 100% totally not true? And what are ones that you heard of that we didn't get to talk about? If you are an audio listener, don't forget to turn on auto downloads. Like Brianna said at the start of the episode, this is so important. And if you're listening to me yammer talking about this now, then you really care about us and you care about our happiness. So turn on auto downloads, rate and review the pod, leave us a comment, leave us a review. What do you like about this show? What would you like to see us talk about? What would you like to see us try out? All of these things really, really help us when we're making the show and really help other people find the podcast. Join us for Daily Gridwalks on all social media platforms. You can find us at Gridwalk Show on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Threads. We will be back to join the Formula One... Wow. I was doing so well. We will be back to join the Formula One grid every Thursday, and we sincerely hope you join us. Oh, today just, you know, today felt like a day Yeah. that we record the podcast. Today felt like more rumors than facts. Yep. Today felt like a grid rumor mill and not a grid wall. <laughs>